in the previous chapters, there's been relatively mundane background. There's the introduction to some of the main characters, including Pierre, who is a Russian and not a French protagonist, Prince André, his wife Lise, members of the Kuragin family. There's some chatter at a society event. There is quite a bit of political talk on that great man of the time, which was 1805, and the great man of history, Napoleon Bonaparte. So, you have aristocratic Russians who speak a base form of French. Think of people with a heavily Russian accent speaking English, but instead French, and not with the language's finer points, up against, coincidentally, an existential enemy in the form of a French emperor whose first language wasn't even French. Napoleon grew up in Corsica, and his first language was Corsican, and then Italian, and then he learned French at the age of 10. So he also spoke French his entire life with a noticeable accent. So far, for a book set in St. Petersburg, there's been a lot of French influence. And up until now, out of all the scenes described, there haven't really been any that really sink their hooks into the reader. And none could be described as pure, unadulterated fun like the second half of Chapter 6 is. Here, it really picks up. In short, it has young men hanging out being young men. There's drinking, gambling, daredevil antics, and even a bear on a chain. We also get the introduction to one of the book's most memorable supporting characters, who's involved, if not the instigator of, all of the above. Part of the true magic of this book is that Tolstoy, the great humanist that he is, is able to create characters that are truly timeless and universal. So now, on to the story. Pierre leaves André's stately manor about 1 a.m. on a luminous St. Petersburg night. He gets in an open cab. Now, this is a type pulled by a horse. It's 1805. And instead of going home like he promised André, perhaps it's the strength of the moon that takes him somewhere else. Pierre thought to himself, it would be nice to go to Anatole's. And like a powerful magnet that he had no power to resist, he was drawn to his wealthy friend's bachelor pad. Pierre rationalized. He realized he gave his word twice. Once to Anatole that they would hang out later that night, and a second time to André when he said that he would go straight home. He contemplated these words of honor are just that. Words, conventions, formalities, things you certainly say, but don't always mean. He thought, we're all gonna die someday. And some of us, by some unfortunate accident, might be dead by tomorrow. So when death is inevitably going to sweep away at all these distinctions between honor and dishonor, or at least most of those distinctions, especially as to trivial matters, like where he goes that evening, why not do what he'll enjoy, and which will stir the soul? So off he directs the cab to Anatole's house. Anatole's home was located near the Imperial Guard horse barracks. It must have been a sizable place as Pierre first went up some steps and came to an empty room. He heard some conversation, shouting, and smelled the strong scent of wine. Pierre stumbled upon a footman or servant who was on the sly taking a sip out of somebody else's glass of wine who had left the room. Finally, Pierre entered the room where all the excitement was. About ten guys were crowded around an open window and a few others were romping around the other side of the room one with a bear attached to a chain. The guy who brought the bear in was chasing around a few of his friends with him. But the window is where the main action is. 
as the men around it are making bets. It has something to do with a dangerous stunt and drinking a bottle of rum. Anatole is the host and leader of the group, and he's described as tall, handsome, and wearing a revealing open shirt. Upon seeing Pierre, Anatole greets him with enthusiasm. Then the focus turns to the man who's going to do the trick. He's not from the society crowd. He's not an intellectual. He's not a man who is disillusioned and complaining like some of the other characters we have heard from. This is a man of action. It's Dolokhov, the notorious gambler and daredevil. He's of medium height, always speaks with a sober voice, despite being able to drink anybody else under the table, and whenever he bets, he usually wins. He also has curly hair, bright, piercing blue eyes, and he's clean-shaven with fine lips. We get quite a description from Tolstoy. He was a low-level officer in the Semyonovsky Regiment. This, historically, is one of the oldest regiments of the Imperial Army. It was found in 1683 by Peter the Great and modeled on the Prussian system. From 1723 through the time of the novel, the unit was stationed in St. Petersburg. Essentially, his regiment was part of the elite corps of all the branches within the Imperial Army. At Anatole's house, Dolokhov is yelling around looking for someone to keep track of all the betting. Meanwhile, Anatole is getting Pierre to drink glass after glass of wine so he could catch up to everybody else who are having a lot of fun. Dolokhov's bet involves something that might be a little bit challenging to explain and understand. I imagine you have to see it. But basically, he'll have to put himself in a dangerous position on a windowsill and drink a full bottle of rum. And I imagine the bottles are pretty big. Dolokhov was taking on all comers. He wanted to put as much money as he could on himself. We also find out that Dolokhov is a man of no fortunes. He's one who had to make his own way in the world. He had no great connections. And Anatole was something of his benefactor, providing him with tens of thousands of rubles when needed and a place to live. It could be a mutually beneficial relationship because when people would meet Anatole and Dolokhov, they liked Dolokhov better. So it gave Anatole a nice group to hang out with most of the time. Both Dolokhov and Anatole were known in all the gambling circles and lived what they called back then was the sporting lifestyle. So the bottle of rum is brought out, possibly on a silver platter. However, there seems to be some type of problem getting access to the windowsill. They have to break the pane of glass, and then they have to pull the frame out. Perhaps they're just too drunk to set this bed all up orderly. Pierre was given the honor of pulling out the frame because of his natural strength. Dolokhov takes the bottle, goes through the window to the windowsill, and now he's exposed to the summer air. And this is after he's likely been drinking and playing cards all night. At first, he jumps onto the windowsill, and he turns around and enthusiastically addresses the Englishman in French so they could both understand each other, because that was a common language. An Englishman was part of this group and was Dolokhov's main adversary in the betting. The terms between the two amount to 50 imperials. The idea is Dolokhov has to sit on the ledge, legs hanging over, and drink the bottle in something of one shot. It says that the bottle can never leave his lips, but I think he could keep his hand on it as he's holding the bottle upright. But as Dolokhov is readying himself, some of those in the crowd, even Pierre, are getting very nervous. One of the gentlemen runs to the other room and hides his eyes in the couch, and Pierre hides his eyes behind his hands. He really can't watch. 
Another of the festive party-goers tries to grab Dolokhov by the shirt. Dolokhov throws him off and says, Next one who touches me, I'm going to throw him out the window. Anatole wants to make the moment as special as possible, so he grabs some candles and puts them at each side of the window, so Dolokhov is illuminated in the nighttime air. He then cheers on his friend vociferously. Dolokhov finally gets himself seated with his legs hanging into the abyss below. He takes the bottle with one hand, puts the other in the air to sort of maintain his balance. He throws back his head all the way. He begins to drink the rum. And his hand, as he's tilting the bottle, goes higher and higher until the bottle is probably vertical, looking like the hull of a sinking ship. The text implies that this contest was going on for a while. In Pierre's mind, it was going on about a half hour, but it probably couldn't have been anywhere near that long. There was even a moment where Dolokhov seemed to lose his balance, scaring the excited crowd, but he quickly regained it. When Pierre opened his eyes, perhaps because some type of sound alerted him to the fact the contest was over, he saw Dolokhov standing there triumphantly. The small group of men was thrown into brotherly ecstasy, and they were saluting their champion. Dolokhov tossed the bottle to the Englishman, who then counted out the money he owed. I gather he was happy to pay it because he probably didn't want his acquaintance to fall to his death below. He was kind of paying for the privilege of seeing the stunt. Pierre was then inspired. He wanted to try the exact same thing. But the climax of the time at Anatole's had passed, and his friends prevented Pierre from risking his life. They pointed out that when Pierre drinks, he could barely navigate a flight of steps, so they weren't going to let him risk his life on the windowsill. Dolokhov was the only one to say, let him try it, let him try it. So when Pierre was going through the window... With his friends unable to hold him back, Anatole thought the best way to get him down was to say, I'll take your bet, but we'll do it tomorrow. Because now we have somewhere else to go. And this somewhere else is described as meeting with some actresses or some women who would be up past 1 a.m. But here is some important foreshadowing. Pierre is trying to compete in Dolokhov's arena, where he has no place, while Dolokhov is the only one who's saying, if Pierre wants to try, let him. He's the only one not willing to protect Pierre from himself. So now the entire group leaves Anatole's house. And perhaps to distract Pierre, they give him the chain that's holding the bear on the end. And Pierre starts to waltz around the room and eventually take him down the stairs and out of the house into the night. So this ends one of the chapters that can really sink its hooks into readers. It had some great character development as well as pure, unadulterated fun. The chapter surely leaves readers with a desire to know what destiny will, what destiny has in store for some of these great characters when the very title indicates war is on the horizon.